A number of prophetic voices have proclaimed truth to our culture, but one is unique. As both a woman and a Christian with a Jewish heritage, Jan Markell represents a modern-day watchman or watchwoman. Jan began following Yeshua when she was 11 years old. As a young woman, she traveled to Israel, studied Bible prophecy, and served with Jews for Jesus. In 1982, Jan launched Olive Tree Ministries to help people understand the times according to the Bible, contend for the faith in Jesus Christ, and help the church stand against deception as watchmen on the wall in these last days. I can't think of a more significant or timely calling. Today we'll hear from this giant in the Bible prophecy realm who the Lord has disguised as a wonderfully petite woman. Jan, thank you very much for welcoming me and for being a part of this broadcast of Christ in Prophecy. <clears throat> Welcome to Minneapolis. So glad you can be here. Well, thank you very much. Obviously, we are here at not only her hometown, but actually her home and the headquarters of Olive Tree Ministries. And it is a beautiful day in Minneapolis. It was a little foggy this morning, but the fog has cleared. And that's kind of symbolic that the fog is clearing, even as we are able to understand more and more Bible prophecy. That's very, very well put. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I know that the Lord has given you insight, Jan. So what has He laid on your heart that you've been sharing through Olive Tree Ministries these many years? Tim, I think that we are in the most profound times when it comes to the topics that we cover on a daily basis, the most profound, stunning times, perhaps with the least amount of interest in the church. And I think perhaps this last year that might have changed a little bit, mm. and that's because this last year has been so significant with incredible happenings around the world with what this pandemic has done to the world and the church and, and for setting the stage for global government, etc. I think now there's a little more interest in the church, but it's been um, tough to get the church to get really interested in, in these important issues. Well, I know that your ministry focuses on sharing truth from a biblical perspective and calling the church away from apostasy. But just to quote, uh, your purpose uh, here at Olive Tree Ministries is to help people understand the times according to the Bible, contend for the faith in Jesus Christ, I love that phrase, and help the church stand against deception as a watchman on the wall in these last days. And again, as a watchwoman, you have most assuredly fulfilled that mission statement. Well, I would like everyone to be watchmen on the wall, yes. every Christian. And I don't want them running away from our times. And I was just watching some clips this morning on YouTube, and it was the media talking about how people indeed are running away from reality because reality is getting scary. For the Christian, that shouldn't be the case. No. I mean, the Bible laid all of this out for us. Everything, there, there's not even any uncertainty for the believer. We know what's going to happen. We don't know the timing exactly. So it's exciting times. It certainly is. One of the things I was excited, even in studying in your ministry and doing some research, you named it Olive Tree Ministry. And I have to tell you, Miss Jan, that when I go to Israel, it's amazing to me to see the number of olive trees represented, not just literally with the trees that are growing naturally and having been planted, but it has become a symbol of modern Israel. It's like the, the stump that was cut down is springing forth new life. And even as we visit Yad Vashem on our pilgrimage groups, uh, the Holocaust Museum there in Israel, they have a pen that they sell, a lapel pen, that has an olive branch intertwined on a uh, strand of barbed wire, symbolizing that out of the Holocaust of this last century, 
there is yet new life being sprung forth in the Jewish people, and the Lord is not done with them. He still has a purpose and a plan to bring a number of them. So, you are a living witness of God's goodness and His graciousness in bringing Jewish believers, Gentile believers into His church here in the United States and indeed even in Israel. Well, I think one thing you said that's uh, interesting that I'm just going to build on for a moment, and that is out of the terrible evil of the Holocaust, God used, God brought good out of it, mm. creating the nation of Israel. Nation of Israel came, be came because the Jewish people had been so persecuted that the world came together in uh, 1948 and said, yes, they should become a nation. The United Nations agreed because they'd seen the wreckage of the Holocaust. Right. And so God allowed that to happen. And the primary result was the rebirth of the nation of Israel in their own land. Growing up and as a young woman, did you ever see yourself becoming a prophetic voice to America or to the world as Dr. Reagan has declared? Uh, no, I didn't. And as a matter of fact, the first um, a couple decades of my ministry were very difficult. I had a very serious illness for the first couple decades I was in ministry, and it kind of held me back. Um, and I don't need to go into details, but uh, I just started radio in some 20 years ago because I kind of started late a, a ministry in radio uh, in 2000, 2001. So, um, but the first couple decades of ministry were a great struggle for me. So the fact that God has been able to use me in any way I find miraculous. And again, I'm just trying to wake people up as to the tide of our times. Mm. Because, you know, it says in Ezekiel 33 that we're, we really are all called to be watchmen. Yes. And if we don't sound the alarm, whatever God has put on our heart and made us aware of, then the blood is on our hands. And so I'm just encouraging people, particularly as the hour now is so late, to speak up, to not hold back, to give forth the truth as they see it, as it concerns the lateness of the hour and, and winning the loss while there's still time, because mm. I don't know that we have a lot of time left. I love the, the point that you make. It's not just learning about what is going on, the events swirling around us, but really the motivation is to save a few, to save as many as are called. We're and on to a win rescue mission. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we're not just yelling fire in a crowded theater. We're trying to give people a, uh, an understanding of the threat that exists and call them to the greater hope. Jen, you've actually coined a phrase that Dr. Reagan has used many times, and I've come to borrow. I, I give you credit for it, because even as our society and the world in general descends into chaos, yeah. you like to say, things aren't falling apart they're falling in place. What do you mean by that? Well, I think as, and I've already referenced the tide of our times being tumultuous, and they are, and they're troubling. And if, if you look at headlines as often as I do, and I was looking at them early mm. this morning, and I had to look away because they were, they were troubling. But the Bible outlines everything that's to happen in detail. And so we're just watching things line up as the Bible said they would line up in the last days. Unfortunately, the Bible says the last days will be perilous, says that the last days will have mankind slipping into reprobate mind thinking. Yes. Uh, therefore, the last days are going to be troubling. And, and yet 
they're falling into place just as outlined scripturally. And my question is, and we can get into this in our in our interview here, are the pulpits talking about these things? And if not, question. why not? And if there's still time, and we've just we've had a year 2020, an unbelievable year. And my hope is that pastors are are building on what happened in this past year, and that th th there are lessons for the church in this past year. My goodness, uh, there are testings for the church in this past year. The church was closed much of 2020. Yes. At least in certain states, they were fighting governors to to even allow 10 people or 30 people in their building when they might have been a megachurch. So right. there were tremendous challenges upon the church in the last year. But I'm hoping that's been a great opportunity for them too. I pray that it will be. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Do we seize this opportunity? Yeah. Listening to you, I'm reminded, as you say, it took a, a season for your ministry really to take off. But the Lord was preparing you for such a time as this, much like another lady of uh, Scripture, Miss Esther, who obviously the Lord put in a particular place in a particular time so she could be a voice to save some of her people. And so on that note, I have to observe, Jan, that as a Jew, you've provided many times very poignant and heart-wrenching accounts of the anti-Semitism that has plagued the West in general and the church itself for 2,000 years. In your book and DVD chronicling Anita Dittman's testimony called Trapped in Hitler's Hell, you convict hearts that are, are receptive to truth and that are not satanically hardened. So tell us about your passion for the Jewish people in particular for, and for all people who need to hear this message of salvation. Well, I met, I met Anita Dittman in uh, 1978, wrote her book in 1979, and miraculously it's still circulating, which is incredible because books have a shelf life, quite frankly. Yes. They generally die after two years or so, and we just keep writing more books. But her story has lived on for over 40 years, mm. and I'm so grateful because referring to anti-Semitism and my burden on that topic I mean, it's a huge topic. It's it's taking off as we speak. It's taking off, my goodness, the whole Black Lives Matter movement is built around anti-Semitism. Yes. People don't know that. And churches are signing on to it, to the Black Lives Matter, and they don't realize that it's rooted in anti-Semitism. But my burden is more the anti-Semitism in the church. Now, you might say, you mean literal anti-Semitism? In some cases, yes. You've got the BDS movement, boycott, divest, sanction. You've got whole denominations. You've got the National Council of Churches mm -hmm. behind that, World Council of Churches. You've got certain denominations cheering the BDS movement on. To me, that's anti-Semitism in the church. Yes, You've got replacement theology in the church. And that's with the teaching that the church has replaced Israel and, and Israel is set aside so the church can be the prominent player of our time. Not, to, not so. But again, I see that as anti-Semitism. Now, is that particular church teaching that? Are they blatantly anti-Semitic? Maybe not. But the theology they're embracing is, and, and they need to be called out on it. Too many times they are being deceived, and sometimes yes. e either through ignorance or occasionally through willful 
uh, agreement with deception. And so either way, I appreciate your voice calling them out. I've witnessed also a tremendous rise in anti-Semitism, and it's something that should be eradicated from the Church of Jesus Christ because it certainly does not reflect Christian values well, and beliefs. Well, my question is how can these people worship a Jewish Messiah and have anti-Semitic sentiment in their heart? I can't make that compute. No, that doesn't compute. Two and two doesn't make four. Well, you already referenced uh, the Lord giving over so many uh, people in this world to a reprobate mind. That's Romans 1. But in Romans 9 through 11, Paul also says, he has not cast aside the Jewish people, and there are still promises held out to them. That's right. Jan, your prophetic voice is widely respected because you speak out truth, even in our culture, to any who are followers of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, obviously, in Hebrew. And yet you are also recognized as one of the few women who is fulfilling this role. You are, in that essence, a modern-day Deborah. And from that unique perspective, what kind of challenges and opportunities have you experienced as a leader here in Olive Tree Ministries? And Tim, I have had the distinct privilege of for 40 years filling a pulpit in every denomination imaginable, even in a Catholic church, giving the truth of the gospel, giving the truth of the issues we're talking about right now, seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. It has been, it has been... Yeah, I could break down in tears just thinking about the times that I have had with wonderful people, some of them believers, some of them about to become believers mm. as a result of, of a message that might have been given, uh, some of them not believers, but going home and thinking about eternity. Um, I remember one day in a denomination I will not name, you would not expect them to be, to be believers or to be enthused about this message things we're sharing. As I left the parking lot, they were walking alongside my car asking questions. They were so hungry, hungry, hungry. for the truth. They would not, they did not want me to go. And it was a auditorium filled primarily of unsaved people. But they heard something that day that registered with them. And I don't think they'll ever be the same. And I've had the privilege of seeing that for all these years. And again, all the more is it is it more significant now in these last, not days, these last hours mm. that we keep this message alive. Yes, ma'am. Well, obviously, over the years, the Lord has blessed your ability to reach people through new mediums. I know yes. one of your major outreaches is through radio, but you also have newsletters and, of course, an Internet presence as well. Yes, and you have to today because today's generation is electronically connected, and you've got to register with them or they'll be left behind. Well, one of the things I appreciate so much is our connectivity between our ministries, Lamb and Lion and Olive Tree, to make sure that we are mutually supportive and yeah. sharing the same message. And as we talked earlier, even holding each other accountable. Well, I noticed even in reading your newsletters from the year 2020, a couple of uh, topics jumped out at me because they were so timely mm -hmm. given all the unrest of that year. You talked about globalism's perfect storm and an article entitled, Everyone's Doing What is Right in Their Own Foolish Eyes. Oh, well, that's very timely. So what other lessons did 2020 teach us as we witnessed a rise of lawlessness even here at home in the United States? Well, and I'm glad we're talking about it, uh, Tim. We're in Minneapolis. I'm in ground zero for the past year. Uh, the turmoil that was sparked in 2020 started 20 minutes from my home in Minneapolis. 
<clears throat> when George Floyd was pinned down by a policeman. And <clears throat> that sparked uh, unrest in the country that mm. I frankly question will ever settle down. I mean that. It could be ongoing forever. Um, and, and that's the racial strife that was stirred right. up. But but I, I don't want to go down that path. What I want to, the path I want to go down <clears throat> is that um, there is an agenda by the global <laughs> cabal, yes. the globalist system, and they needed a crisis. And they used 2020 as their crisis, be it the pandemic, be it the racial strife. They used all of that as the global crisis. Remember, it wasn't an American. <clears throat> it wasn't an American crisis. It wasn't a North American crisis. It was a global crisis. Yes. They used that crisis <clears throat> to help get their global government launched a little bit more. Obviously, it's not in play. The Antichrist has to be here, <clears throat> and the church has to be gone. So, but again, if we're in the last hours, that's exciting. It is exciting. I think one of the the lessons we talked about earlier is the way that those bent on globalism yeah. or on taking over in a dictatorial manner will use every opportunity. We used uh, the reference of Kristallnacht, the, yeah. the Nazi German night of glass where German thugs, Nazi thugs, went around breaking glass and persecuting Jews in particular. But then Adolf Hitler said, well, you see all this unrest. If you just put me in power, I can tamp down the unlawfulness that is taking place. Well, he was spurring it on. And today, many of those who are claiming to want to get power to quell the unrest are the ones that are fomenting it all along. That is true. Um, I am concerned about stoking the flames and literally, yeah, and we see that going on. And the church needs to come and be the, put out these fires. Um, but I'm seeing the church sign on to the racial unrest all in the name of social justice. Mm. And then signing on to the agenda of Black Lives Matter. It's a terrible mistake they're making um, because in the name of social justice, I mean, they're signing on to um, a, a movement that's very unhealthy, the, the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Well, obviously, Black Lives Matter and some of their manifestos as an organization, as an organization. are not only tremendously anti-Semitic, but they are pushing a very radical agenda of LGBTQ+, right. meaning that they are totally renouncing any Judeo-Christian values, even exactly. the family as a basic exactly. unit uh, that was God-ordained. So it is very problematic. But what do you see in some of the other trends, even from recent months and years, 2020 being a prime example, of demonstrating and foreshadowing the way that the Antichrist will rise to power. Do you see anything that we should be alarmed about? Yes, I think we should be alarmed when we see unmitigated lawlessness. And I don't know, I don't think we know where that's going, but we've seen in the last year, we've seen lawlessness take over our country. As a matter of fact, it took over parts of Australia and parts of Europe as well. Um, and anything that is lawless is not of God mm. and is obviously the rise of the Antichrist spirit. And I think, Tim, that's what I saw most in the year behind us. I think the thing I saw the strongest, the most impactful in a bad way, negative way, is the spirit of Antichrist raise its ugly head um, in the world and trying to influence the church. I, I, I don't know if it was successful, but they tried. Um, and again, is... The believer, are your listeners pushing back with the truth? And that's all we can do is give the truth, give the truth of the, what's happening in our world and give the truth of the gospel and get people 
on, in this rescue mission we have, yes. get them into the lifeboat, so to speak, of salvation. Well, I'm prayerful that over time, just as you said earlier, the Lord could take a great uh, horrific calamity like the Holocaust and make yeah. something good and beautiful come out of it. That is the rebirth of Israel, which he foretold and prophesied yeah. would occur. And so even out of this darkness, we can see rays of light because as the world grows darker, the light shines all the right. brighter. And some people, I believe, are very hungry, just like the folks you shared a moment ago yeah. who are wanting to follow after you. We hear you have words of truth. Yeah. Share more of that with us. Yeah. Yeah. So these are exciting times. I'm not, I'm not the least bit discouraged. I mean, again, I'm right here in Ground Zero, Minneapolis, parts of it, huge segments were burned down last year and will never come back. And in the natural, that's very discouraging, but I'm, I'm not discouraged. I see it as a sign of the times. It's a, it's a reminder to the church, look up, I am coming soon. Amen and amen. Well, just like Deborah herself, uh, you've never been shy about proclaiming truth to power, whether it's people in the church or in the secular world, kings and rulers. And you've denounced the slide to the left in our society and sadly in so many of our churches. What do you see as the greatest threat to the church worldwide or here in America and the opportunity that they must seize, that we as believers must seize right now in such a time as this? Well, I think just discerning the, the times, how late we are. And again, um, is the church doing that? I, I don't think so. I think the, a deeper problem, Tim, is just the growing apostasy, which is predicted in the Bible. Yes. There are more re Bible references about the last day's apostasy than almost anything else other than maybe the rebirth of Israel. Mm. And then you go out, Paul and, and Peter, all those verses in those First and Second Timothy, all the warnings about the wolves that are come, going to come and devour the flock with false teaching and horrible theology and doctrines of demons. And that's what's happening in our churches today. And again, um, and there are there are watchmen, just good pew sitters who are watchmen trying to mm. warn, and in many cases they're they're brushed off, and nobody's listening to them, and they're trying to tell the church leadership, you know, we're going down the wrong path. We're just simply this church is going to, you know, whether it's New Apostolic Reformation or, or again replacement theology, all of these things that we could talk about if we had three hours and we'd fill them quickly. Um, so many things, and they've come along in the last hundred years. No, in the last really ten years. Even, yes. even Christian Palestinianism. Whoever would have thought of that? No, oh, Jesus was a Palestinian. That's just in the last ten years or so. Yeah, the Palestinian, uh, I guess, ideology that has been sprouted forth in the last number of years is a lie in yeah. terms of trying to distract us from the truth revealed in Scripture. But it's distracted the church from a great calling, and yes, that is to get their folks fo focused on, the, on, on winning the Jews to Jesus and to um, our, our message on the end times, that the King is coming. The King and, is coming. And Israel is the key. Amen, amen. Well, I appreciate what you said even about Ezekiel earlier. And being a watchman, a watchwoman, because the Lord said to Ezekiel, they will not listen to you, yeah. but I hold you responsible to declare the truth even though they won't or if they don't listen to you. And so, Ms. Jan, you have obviously been a watchman who has been faithful. And regardless of the, the great numbers of folks who are groping in darkness and whether or not they, they come to that light, you have been faithful in proclaiming it. 
Uh, I got to say this, in spite of all the gloom that we see descending on the world today, ours is a message of joyful yeah. hope. So tell us about your unfailing confidence in our blessed hope. Well, I have watched for um, the Lord Jesus to return. Quite frankly, I think I started watching as a young adult in the 1970s and went to Israel in the 70s, and, late 70s, and um, Hal Lindsey's book, Late Great Planet Earth, and that so inspired me. And I just want to encourage your listeners, we are not in dark times. I know the headlines appear that way, but we are a privileged generation to see all these things coming to pass. Whoever thought we'd be a part of the generation to see Israel become a nation, um, just to see so many things that are transpiring before our eyes on a daily basis, including the lawlessness, unfortunately. Mm. You've got to see the good and the bad. Yes, ma'am. And then try translate the bad into good news that the king is coming. And these are herald, these are signs heralding his coming. I'm excited. I'm thrilled to be a part of this generation. It's been a, a tremendous experience and and uh, I've been privileged to work with you and Dave Reagan and Nathan and, and to have partners and partners in this kind of a ministry is needed because shots are coming at us every day. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, as Adrian Rogers was uh, want to say, it's getting gloriously dark. Yes. And you just hit the nail on the head. The king is indeed coming. Jan Markell touched on the rise in anti-Semitism we're seeing around the world today. This is a particularly heinous sin for two reasons. Not only because scripture warns that anyone who abuses the Jewish people touches the apple of God's eye, but also because we know that God has not cast the Jewish people aside. His promise of blessing on the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob holds true because he is faithful. The biblical truth is that anyone who professes or aspires to have a Christ-like heart will have a supernatural love for the Jewish people, not a satanically inspired hatred toward them. And yet for the past 1900 years, it has been self-proclaimed Christians and purportedly Christian nations that have persecuted Jews the most. That is why the marked rise in anti-Semitism throughout the West in recent years is so alarming. Whether overt harassment of Jews or an indoctrinated embrace of anti-Israeli boycott, divest and sanction propaganda, or our current administration's appeasement of Islamist terrorists in Iran or Gaza and insistence on giving away the promised land for an elusive two-state solution, we are provoking God's righteous anger. No individual or nation can please God by disparaging and persecuting His chosen people. But that is exactly what Scripture says will happen in the end times, when every nation comes against Israel. What about you? Do you endeavor to bless the Jewish people and Israel? Have you prayed earnestly to God to lead you to one specific Jew that you can tell about Jesus Christ, our Jewish Messiah? Do you pray for the peace of Jerusalem as you look forward to the coronation of our Prince of Peace who will reign from Mount Zion? I'd encourage you to intentionally seek opportunities to bless the Jewish people in general and an individual Jew in particular. Don't wait until Jesus reigns from Mount Zion to say to a Jew, we have heard God is with you. What a joy it was to spend time with Jim Markell in Minneapolis. For a gift of only $20, we'd love to send you a copy of Lawless, a book featuring chapters from Jan as well as Dave Reagan and Nathan Jones. Just call the number on the screen or visit our online store. Well, folks, that's all the time we have today. 
We pray that each episode of Christ in Prophecy leaves you longing for and loving Jesus' soon return. Until next time, this is Tim Moore for Lemon Lime Ministries. Godspeed.